Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sunshine State. It's your girl, Ari B, with Talk Lucidly 33, ready to get this party started. Thanks for joining us, Talk Lucidly 33 fans, and we have Laura on the line. Laura is a registered dietitian and certified specialist in obesity and weight management. I know you guys have been waiting to hear from her. She has over 14 years of experience in bariatric surgery nutrition, and I am so excited to have her here with us today. We all struggle, whether you're in bariatrics or not, with weight loss and diet and what's right and what's not and what we can and cannot do. So it's great to have somebody in the field on the line, ready to tell us, hey, what are my top five struggles that I'm going to be looking towards after this process? Thanks, Laura, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, okay. I So I live, and we found each other, Ariel and I found each other <laughs> over um, the internet, of course, as we all do. Because <laughs> um, I, I, as she said, I've worked in bariatrics since uh, 2008. Um, and right now I work for a, I live in Sweden right now and I work for a vitamin company. Um, and that's how she found me was through, was through them. And, uh, yeah, so I'm coming from across the ocean, but I'm from the U S you can, you can hear that obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can tell when you've been overseas for too long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it starts to sound a little different. Different. <laughs> Yeah, I'm happy to have you. And I know uh, we've had great conversations. So we've been talking a lot up, leading up to this point. And your spirit is amazing. Your energy is amazing. And I know that you're interested in kicking off your own practice here in the States. And I know a lot of people who can benefit from talking to you. And so that's why I love the fact that you were able to come on this platform and kind of talk to the people and let them know, you know, what a dietitian can do for you and how they can help you through these struggles. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I mean, yeah, in the process of getting that all set up, so I don't have a name finalized or anything, but I'll let you know when it happens. Cause and we will be following. Great. <laughs> right. um, I worked with a surgeon once that always said, we do the surgery on your, we do the surgery, but the dietitians kind of take it over um, afterwards because uh, that's the biggest adjustment is with food yeah. and, of course, um social and things like that. And that's where psychologists can also be really helpful too, of course. Um, but yeah, we'll launch into the, the top five things I tend to see people struggling with um, after surgery. And I'm sure some of this will resonate with those of you who have had surgery or so we'll just jump in. Yeah. Even before surgery, because <laughs> yes. before, before you have to kind of get these things and I know I have the list, but the listeners don't even know yet, but some of these things are things that you're dealing with prepping for it. So it's like, okay, let me get my mindset ready for what's coming out on the other end because <laughs> it, right. it's not an easy transition. <laughs> right, right. It just poof and you're there. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the first one, and it's one that one of the things you hear all the time when you're talking with dietitians, nurses, surgeons, is getting enough protein. Yeah. Uh, and it's not that you're, it's not that you're eating that much more protein necessarily than you would before surgery. It's just that the amount of portion it takes up is a lot bigger. So the percentage of food that you're eating tends to be a lot more protein than, than it was before. Otherwise you just don't get quite enough. Um, so I would say one of the the biggest ways to get enough protein to start out with is make sure every time you eat that you have something with protein in it. So it might be mm. cheese, nuts, meats, chicken, uh, a protein drink, something that you, that's sort of the focus, focal point of your meal is the protein. And I've seen where they say uh, how many, it's like 60 to 80 milligrams is what you try after surgery to get in yeah, every Yep, 60, 80 grams. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it seems like yeah. a lot. Like it does. <laughs> it sounds like a lot. So a mm -hmm. good way to think about it. So a piece of like chicken, beef, fish, pork, um, the size of a deck of cards is around 
20, 25 grams of protein. Oh, okay. Well, that's not bad, then. It's not bad. It's, it's hard right away when your portions are real small. Um, mm. But it can also, after over time, it's, you'll be able to look at your plate and be like, oh, there's enough protein. And if, especially in the beginning, if you have a protein drink, say with 30 grams of protein, you're halfway there. Yeah, that, it, it's not as bad as I originally thought. Because I'm thinking, you, you know, your pouch is smaller. Depending right. on what surgery you get, your pouch could be really, really small. Or you could not have a pouch and just reroute. But the what I'm going for is um, my doctor just wrote up the paperwork for the vertical sleeve gastrectomy. Yeah. And so you have <clears throat> enough of a pouch for what? What is it at first? Like one ounce. And then it kind of, once the swelling goes down, it's like three at a time. Yeah, right away you're taking sips, sips, sips um, mm -hmm. on your liquids. Oh, the first like month or so you're eating blah, a quarter cup of food at a time, more or less. Uh, so it's it's quite small. And then, as you said, as the swelling goes down, as your stomach sort of uh, chills out a little bit. Adjust to the new environment. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Because people worry that their stomach is stretching and it's like, well, no, it's just had a big trauma and it's, mm. of course, you're going to be able to eat more as time goes on because it's not, we wouldn't expect you to only eat a few ounces of food at a time um, yeah. forever. Um, so having protein at every meal, um, having, try to shoot for at least half of your plate or bowl or portion as protein, half or more. Um, okay. And then... Another good rule of thumb is to try to have more protein than carbs in your food. It's not not mm. all of your food will be like that, of course. But let's say you're looking at the best examples are protein bars and protein shakes. You're looking at the label. And if there's more protein than carbs, there's probably a better choice if you're okay. looking to get protein from it. Um, some foods will, of course, have more carbs than protein, like fruits and veggies and breads and things like that are more carbs, but that's, you're not trying to get protein from that. If that makes no, sense. You, you're trying to eat something else. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so when yeah. you make your plate and, you know, we talk about portion plates and stuff like that um, throughout this process, as you get used to eating smaller portions, but so the first thing on your plate should always be from what I'm hearing, the protein. And yeah. then we follow up with maybe the vegetable yeah. So protein, produ protein and produce. So protein okay. first and then like fruit or vegetable. Uh, and it's good to have some sort of fat in there even to help you stay full. So let's like yogurt, for example, you don't necessarily have to do 0% fat. A little fat is fine uh, so that it gives you something to takes a little bit longer to digest and helps you feel full. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So like, uh, and and there are some vegetables that are good fats as well. So you can do like avocado, and still oh, yeah. have the fat, and not like that doesn't mean you know fried chicken. <laughs> right. Right. Like so stuff like the, good, the omega three fatty acid type fats. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you can do so like a salad with as a salad with some dressing and you know some chicken or something on it is a good balance yeah. of say the fat protein things like. Just because you mentioned it, things like fried chicken, greasy food, that's like, it's about greasy, rich foods. Those mm. are the foods that tend to make people dump. Oh, um, okay. We could have a whole other podcast on dumping. Yeah, um, we can do that. <laughs> we can talk about that in another episode because yeah. I know there's a lot to go over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yes, for me, I, I think that's great because. I mean, when you're getting used to the process and you're trying to, like, figure out how do people get this, I think it's just daunting to think about the protein in advance. Yeah. You know, it when you're walking around and you're not a bariatric patient and you're living your best life, just however you live and eating whatever you want, you're not concentrating on, I need to make sure I have this many grams of protein. I need to make sure I have this many grams. Like, I'm not being critical of myself on a regular basis. I'm just going through life. If I want to stop by a smoothie shop, I'm going to stop there. And if I, you know, you do what you want. And so when you're going through the bariatric process and after 
when it's really important that you get like your clear liquids and then your, your full liquids and you go through your different steps. It's really important for us to um, calculate what we're doing and track it, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's the hard part because when you have to now write down what you're doing or keep a log in your phone or whatever app you like to use, it's harder because now you have to be accountable. <laughs> right. Like, right. It's like, if I don't have enough protein, I'm not going to feel well. I, you know, I might lose muscle mass. I, you know, it's a lot of things that, that go into having that protein. I'm not going to lose the weight that I thought that I was going to lose. So there's a little bit more weight behind, you know, what you're, what you're supposed to be putting in your body post-op than, than just to the blind eye. And I think that's where a lot of people say, if I chose bariatric, I didn't choose the easy way out. It's much more difficult than you think. Uh, because you cannot go to the gym if you're just working out to lose weight and you could be all right. But if you're not getting protein, you're going to have a bad day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So it's, it's deeper than that. Yeah. Yeah. It affects people a lot more than, than it would say without surgery. Like it's just people feel it when they're not getting enough protein. You feel it when you're not staying hydrated. It's a very tangible why do I feel so terrible? Oh, I'm not eating. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, not eating the right things. I, right. and my friend is so guilty and I'm probably going to have her on, um, and talk about her a little bit. She wants to be on the podcast as well, but, uh, I went through this process with her about mm -hmm. a year and a half ago. And when I tell you, I, I literally went through the whole process and I followed all the instructions and she, and I saw how difficult she, like she was having a hard time like sticking to it, like you're supposed to be on clear liquids and she wanted watery mashed potatoes and you're on full liquids and she was trying to make scrambled eggs. And I was just like, why can't you just stick to the plan? <laughs> right. And she was going through really, really low points where she just was exhausted. She didn't feel good. She was just not. And I was like, like you said, hydration. I was like, did you drink water today? Like how much water have you had? Did you have enough protein? And I would ask her just those simple questions. And she's like, no. No, but that's not why. I said, yes, it is. I'm in like three support groups for you. <laughs> right. That is exactly the reason why. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And when you're not feeling hungry, if you're not feeling thirsty, you don't feel like putting anything in your stomach. It's hard to, to yeah. overcome that sort of, we've always been told, don't eat if you're not hungry. But in this circumstance, you, you often do have to eat when you're not hungry. Yeah, it kind of, I think it goes against everything you're ever taught, you know, like, it's like, oh, don't put anything on your plate that you can't eat, you know, waste not, want not kind of thing. And right. then here it's like, you need to put something on your plate because you need to put something in your stomach. Like right. every couple of hours is what I'm hearing. Yeah, often every, depends how often your surgeon or dietitian wants you to eat, but most people mm -hmm. right away need to eat about five to six low meals a day. So it's every two to three hours-ish. Um, just to get, get enough protein in the day, basically. Yeah. 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 So, so it's, it's, it's so, a job. So with the fluids, like, and I want to kind of segue because fluids can mean protein too, right? You can get, um, protein with your fluids. Like if you're doing a, especially those clear protein drinks, um, like protein 2 the protein waters. Does that count as water and protein? I know that's a question that everybody wants to ask. Right. You know, it's, we always would say don't count your protein drinks as your liquids. Okay. But at the same time, you are getting hydration from them. Okay. So it's uh, – <laughs> I wish I had a straight answer. I'd say that's not really focus for getting fluids, but it does still hydrate you, especially those okay. clear ones. The like the the, the uh, protein waters. Yes, those the protein 2 I I mean I already know what flavors I'm gonna order. <laughs> nice. So, because I just feel like it's easier to drink it, and yeah. um, with my friend, she really was you know food wasn't working for her, and she was just like, All okay, right. maybe if I just get this, and you know drink these protein waters, and she had to drink them in like a shot glass. That's, I mean, that is mm -hmm. equivalent to what she could take in at a time. Yep. So, um, we ordered cases of those at that time. So I'm, 
I'm eager to try them again. I haven't had them in a while. And so I have protein shakes right now, mm-hmm. but I don't have any protein water. And so I think that will be like the bee's knees because I do not like water, mm, like just regular yeah. water. My okay. water has to have like, so, so hint water works for me. Yep. Um, putting lemon or lime or something, you know, like when you add fruit to your water and you just yep. drink it, even like um, I'll add like a tea, you know what I mean? Yep. Like a tea bag to my water and okay. let it sit for a little bit just to change how it tastes. Cause just drinking water. Oh, it, I don't know. I feel like it's my arch nemesis. <laughs> yeah. And after surgery, it can be too. Cause there's something about um, putting, putting uh, fruit or a flavoring or things like that. It helps break the surface tension of the water. And mm-hmm. so not even just helping with flavor, but it makes it easier on your stomach for some reason water itself can feel just terrible for people after surgery, unfortunately. Um, So adding flavor, um, different temperatures can also make a difference. So uh, some people do really well with warm liquids, like hot tea, things like that, versus cold uh, or room temperature. So if, if you're someone who struggles with getting their fluids after surgery, try switching up the the temperature and it might go down a little bit easier. Oh, wow. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a big one. And it, uh, people's, the stomach is just really finicky for some people. Um, but the flavors are adding flavor, different temperatures, uh, find something you like to drink out of. I know that might sound silly, but <laughs> that's for all like, our Tumblr people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But something you like to drink out of, especially if it's a big container, because then you're, it makes you see it all day long. Like, oh, I got to drink this. I can't just gulp anymore. I need to sip on this all day long. So how do you feel about the straw debate? Because I know that's a big, like, debate in the bariatric community, whether yeah. you can sip through a straw or not. What right. side are you on? <laughs> And what's funny is there's no real, uh, clinicians are also debate, debate this and same with the carbonation, which we can talk about. But, um, I always, right after surgery, I'm always like, well, if you don't have to use a straw right after surgery, just don't like if it, if it does kind of add some gas to the sister or air and it makes people feel burpy or uncomfortable. Um, but as time goes on, I don't, if it doesn't, if you don't have a problem with it, you don't have a problem Mm -hmm. with it kind of thing like if you yeah. can drink with a straw and you like to drink with a straw I know I drink a lot more during the day if I have a straw for some reason yes I noticed that too like I recently got some like personalized tumblers mm-hmm. um and because I'm a tumbler fanatic so it's yeah. probably about 30 or 40 tumblers in my house my daughter is too and <laughs> it came with like one of those hard reusable straws and I yeah. was like oh my gosh you could keep using the straw and my daughter's like really but for me it made it easier and I don't really and what's crazy is I love tumblers but I actually don't like ice cold water I like room temperature water I like my drinks ice cold but my water I like to drink room temperature because otherwise I just won't drink it and so for a tumbler just for water I just think it's fun to look at and you're always looking for it because you enjoy the cup so much Right. But I definitely yeah. agree. Like, if I'm like, oh, my cup's empty, let me go refill it, you know, because I want people to see my new cup. And I yeah. think that's a, that's a fun habit to have, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. I used to carry, like, a quart, like, a canning jar around mm-hmm. at work, and everyone knew it was mine, because who else is drinking out of that? <laughs> it, yeah, you know, I had one of those gallon things. Like, my friend and I bought them um, before her surgery, the gallon jugs. I had a blue one. She had a pink one. Mm. And um, we would like be fighting to get this gallon down. She's like, where are you at? What line are you on? You know, <laughs> like it was a competition because it had like all of these, you know, positive affirmations at every line. Like, hey, if you drink by this time, um, give yourself a high five or whatever. You know, like just a cup that makes you feel better about yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of those now that'll have like, like I have a liter. Uh, sorry. Europe. Um, I have like a quart size container yeah. that's um has different times on the day, both AM and PM, like by eight AM here, nine AM here, and then goes into the afternoon. And it's mm-hmm. it's helpful. 
Um, but going back to the straw, I should re I should mention again, right away after surgery, everything is new and it's, it's harder to limit how much you drink with the straw. So like how we were saying, we drink faster with the straw. We probably yeah. drink more at once. And so if you're unsure of how much you can take in, like you were, your friend was using shot glasses, mm -hmm. probably not a good time to use straws because she'd probably drink too fast. Yeah. So pay attention to that when you're not to say you couldn't use a straw, but just go slow is the main thing. No, yeah, I think that um, I I want to be able to use a straw. I don't know where I'll land on the you know straws or not straws, but I've yeah. heard a, that it's a lot of women that are in the support groups who still use them, and they yeah. find it easier to get their fluids down with the straw. And so, hoping that I have that ability because I love using my straw now. So, yeah. um, hydration is just so important, even before surgery. Just remaining hydrated and. Um, I know some women who have to get an IV because they just don't mm. want to drink enough yeah. fluids and they're not getting the fluids that they need and they're like often feeling groggy and sleepy yeah. and tired. And so hydration is just so important post-op. Like just oh, to absolutely. keep going. Like you don't want to be stuck in the house, like not want to move around because you're dehydrating your body's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I right. need some fluids. <laughs> right. Right. And every bodily process uses water. Like, and especially as you're losing weight, like you're, as you're losing fat, burning, like your body uses water to help process that. So it's, there's so many things water does. Um, and I, since I, we, I said carbonation before, I'll get on that debate too. Um, <laughs> same ideas with the straws. Like if carbonation doesn't bother you, it's fine to have right after surgery probably a good idea to avoid it it's bubbly it's burpy it's probably not the best idea right away but there's no mm -hmm. research to say that it stretches your stomach there's no research to say that it makes you I don't know not drinking I don't know it's yeah. it's kind of a lot of the stuff with bariatrics is things that we've well this seems like it would make sense not to have carbonation and so we've kind of made that uh, a, a rule but as but there's really nothing to say that you can't as long as it feels okay in your system. Okay. And that's, and that's good to know. I, I wouldn't try it <laughs> from, uh, from my friend's perspective when she tried sure. to drink soda, it just, it, it gave her a lot of gas that made her right. uncomfortable. Uh, right. And I guess it's to everyone, it's going to be different. I would right. wait until I had some stability in my stomach Absolutely. and like reach kind of a level of, I understand my stomach better. I know a lot yeah. of women who, name their new pouch another name yeah. um and so I think I would wait yeah. just before I start doing anything a little crazy like soda because I you're already you've already had all that air in you and had to get that gas out of you yeah, um after true. surgery and I don't know that I would want to like struggle to burp like my friend burps all the time she's like oh my stomach mm. hurts so bad and yep. then she'll like burp and she'll say oh Oh gosh. Okay, that's so much better. And I'm like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I right. I'm not a belcher, so it's just you know, everyone treats gas differently. But she said that's what she notices. She'll notice like she's full, or she'll have you know she'll need to you know burp or something like that because she'll have gas trapped in. So it's just stuff that you start to be conscious of with your body, and if you're right. in tune with your body, it's it's much easier. Exactly. Exactly. And. Yeah. Just like, just to echo what you said, give yourself time. Some people are super gassy. Some people, carbonation really bothers them. Um, mm -hmm. And it's best, it's good not to drink sodas all the time. Like it's, it, those aren't good for your bones. Like there's lots of reasons. Just one of those, like, it's for some people, it's a hard and fast rule. Don't have any. And others are like, why not? And so wait try it if you want it's nothing you have to have but if you're like i just want some lacroix like you can yeah <laughs> i just want some topo chico exactly. <laughs> like i want some carbonated water i want water but i, I want something different this time <laughs> something yeah something. i understand yep so those are the big things with fluids but fluids are also super important for constipation so mm -hmm. I know I just to segue into the next 
the next struggle that people are running into. Yes, I've heard about this. I'm I'm tuned in and taking notes. Great. So constipation is one of the biggest issues after surgery. It's with the surgery itself, all the medications, like anesthesia stuff they put you on makes you constipated. And then you're not eating very much. There's not as much going through your system. You're not having as much fiber. Um, you're taking vitamins and minerals that have iron and that makes people constipated. So there's a lot of things that can make it harder to go to the bathroom. Um, but getting enough fluids, enough water is number one for preventing constipation. Uh, and for some people that's two quarts a day, some people it's more. So if you can try to aim at least for like 32 ounces or so a day as a as a goal. And then if you get more than that, that's even better. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's number that's one. Yeah. That, and and it, I've actually heard about the constipation issue recently. Mm -hmm. um, when I went to my doctor for my final appointment, like for them to send my paperwork off, there was a man and he was leaving and he was like, he's like, you're here for this bariatric program. You're in the right place. I'm down 72 pounds. Um, and he's like six weeks post-op. Mm. And that doesn't happen for everybody because you start losing weight before you have the surgery because you you meet with a dietitian, you change your diet. Yeah. So you're doing things before the surgery. So you're going to lose weight before the surgery. So it wasn't, I just want people to know, he didn't lose 72 pounds after his surgery in six weeks. Right. But he was, he was just, you know, people are talkative. Our community is very open with each other. And mm -hmm. he was saying, hey, he had a lot of issues with constipation. But once he navigated the constipation issues, everything was easier. That was his biggest struggle. Yeah. He could do the, he was getting the protein. He wasn't getting enough water, which was leading to his constipation. He was like calling in every two days, like, hey, something's wrong. And they were like, drink more water. He's like, that's not going to help. <laughs> like, you know, and so and he's an older gentleman. So he was like set in his ways. But he's like, once I finally listened, <laughs> yeah. I felt better. So yep. I know um, I didn't have a constipation problem before going through this process. And when I found out I had you know, they test you for everything under the sun. I think yeah. they took 14 vials of my blood. I thought they were going to take my firstborn. And oh. um, <laughs> it was just, I was in there like, how many more of these things are you taking? <laughs> and so they were testing for any and everything, make sure I'm okay. But that is how I found out I was a diabetic. I didn't know I was a diabetic. I don't eat crazy. My husband's a diabetic and he eats crazy. And I was just like, I don't even eat like you. How did this happen to me? Right. <laughs> but I have polycystic. So that's a big factor for me. Um, right. And then I found out I had high cholesterol. And so it was a bunch of things that I found out at one time. And those right. medications that my doctor, my primary care was like, okay, we're going to put you on things to get you healthy enough for surgery. You know, we yeah. need to get your sugar down. We need to get your cholesterol down. We don't want any stress on your heart. That's unnecessary. So we need everything to be working as best as it can on surgery day. And so I have all these medicines. Well, it's three, but it's a lot for me because I never took any before. And I take my three medicines every day. And I went from going to the bathroom probably over regular, like three mm -hmm. times a day, to once a day. Right. And for people who go once a day, hey, that's normal. Like, kudos to you. But I'm a three person a day, like three times a day person. And okay. I didn't think that it was something wrong, but my attitude started to get worse. I started to be more grumpy and I was like, what is wrong with me? I literally, I, you know, had switched my vitamins. I, I did everything except like try to focus on like more green veggies to go to the restroom more. I didn't okay. think it was my constipation issue. I okay. thought it was, it had to be hit something else. Cause I was like, well, I'm going once a day. That's normal for people. I mean, it's not my normal, but that's okay. That's reasonable. And I know people who only go every other day or every two days. So I was like, oh, I'm doing better than most. And okay. so when I started to increase my fluids and increase my, like you say, produce and go to the restroom more, I became a nicer person to deal with. <laughs> so <laughs> constipation is a big deal. If you don't feel like it's going to mess with you, it will. Because when your body's unhappy, your gut is unhappy, you are going to be an unhappy person. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I understand. I understand ahead of time. I didn't know I was going to learn that lesson beforehand, but I did. Yeah. It's, it's, 
for pe- even people that had the opposite problem in terms of like loose stools, diarrhea type, like a lot of times they'll even kind of switch into the, the constipation side of things. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a big, big issue. Uh, but you mentioned adding more greens and things like that. So fiber, fiber is after fluids, getting your fiber in. And that's really hard after surgery when your portions are real small. Um, okay. But having, you can add, de- like once you can add pureed or soft foods, you can blend up uh, spinach or kale or something into a protein drink to help add fiber. Um, mm-hmm. People use like chia seeds and put that into shakes or. Oh, I love those. Yeah. And that even actually has like a gelling effect, as you can see if you let it gel. Uh, that also helps with going to the bathroom. Mm. Uh, different fiber supplements, but of course, fruits and vegetables, pears are really high in fiber. Uh, prunes, there's a reason that prunes are known for uh, having. Making a you go to the effect. Yes. Yeah. It's more, it's more than just the fiber. There's the, the stuff, there's something in prunes, and I forget what it's called, that they actually helps create a stool softener. So they're a good option. So, but really trying to get extra fiber once you get your fluids in is number two. Uh, and then staying active. And I think it's really easy, especially I know people are still working from home sometimes, or we just mm-hmm. we all sit a lot during the day. Uh, getting up, you it doesn't even, you don't even have to be like running around, but just not sitting so much. Because the more we sit, the more it compacts, you could say. And oh, wow. Yeah. So I don't know if you've, like, if you've been on a, like, if you're ever on like really long flights and you're not drinking very much and you're sitting all day, like a lot of people have issues after they fly. And that's why it's like this mashup of not, of dehydration and sitting for hours and hours on end. And I had, um, I work from home. So you're talking like, you're talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm one of the people you're talking to. Yeah. <laughs> I work remote. And so I have the comfort of like working for my couch or my desk or my kitchen or, you know, and it's a lot of sitting. And I like, I recently have started to kind of stand at the bar top so nice. that I'm sitting all day. Um, and, you know, just for as long as I can stand up there and work and then I sit down. But I used to have one of those desks where you can pull it up. Um, and when I worked in an office setting, I had one and it was the best thing. I mean, every hour I had a timer and I would stand for an hour and sit for an hour. Oh, nice. And that's how I got through my day. And being at home, you're home. So you like, oh, I could work for my bed if I want to. Like, I don't have to leave my room. And so you get so into those comforts, you don't realize they're stifling your your movement. Right. Right. Yeah, so like I've recently like started to look into maybe getting one of those desks for the house that stand with you. My mom just bought one, and because um, she she works remote, and I'm like I want one now. Like I want to be able to stand and and work. You know what I mean? And right. and then sit and work if I want to, but get myself out of my comfort zone because I know that's a big deal. So you're you are preaching to the choir, <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, and at the office, like you're you're all people you're getting up more the bathroom's probably further away like you talk Mm -hmm. to co-workers so I think we naturally move a lot of us naturally move more if we're in an office setting versus at home so oh for sure yeah because when I go I do go in the office every now and then and when I'm there it's like oh let me go put my stuff in the refrigerator oh let me go get some water oh let me go talk to these people I haven't seen in a long time oh I'm getting to this meeting that's way over here and I have to get up and go to this meeting and then sit back down and get ready for another meeting and oh can you come look at this really quick so you're moving and you don't realize how much you're moving it wasn't until I got my Fitbit and I was sitting here and I'm like wow I haven't done any kind of movement like I had 45 steps and it was 12 o'clock in the afternoon because I'm not going anywhere (laughs) like I'm going to the bathroom which is maybe five steps away or you know like to the refrigerator you're not doing anything impactful. Right. So you have to actually take the time to like, and I'm starting this week, go on a walk on my lunch break around the block, like get out of my house, and move around because it's neat. It's needed. I, I feel like I'm just kind of slumped and I don't want to yeah. be that person before surgery. Yeah. Right. Right. And I think especially that lunchtime walk, it's so 
good for your brain too, just to like reset for the afternoon where you're like, okay, mm. like a refresh from, and going back to being in the office, like you have a lunch break where you can meet, whether it's, you know, you go somewhere, you talk to people, you have that break. And I think being at home, we don't as much, you have to almost force it. Yeah. So, yeah. Doing that walk forces that break. No, I think that's really good because it's, um, you know, just like your 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 body health is important, your mental health is also important. They work together. Yeah, exactly. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there's a couple more things for for constipation. Uh, get taking some sort of omega three fat, so whether that's fish oil or flaxseed oil, can actually help with sort of lubricating things. You could say. Okay. Um, and it's I've I've. I haven't recommended it a ton, but the I've also had patients where that's the thing that did it. Uh, so it's not bad to take uh, fish oils in, or flaxseed oil. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good option. Epsom salt baths make a really? difference. So like magnesium supplements can help uh, with constipation. So the milk of magnesia, people will, or, um, oh gosh, what is it called? We used to make people drink this like thing to help make them go to the bathroom before surgery. Oh, the clear liquid? The clear yeah. one? Not the big uh, one we take for colonoscopy, but like the little one. Magnesium yeah, citrate, I that's can. what it's called. It's the, uh, what is it called? Calcium magnesium citrate? citrate. Oh, magnesium, magnesium citrate. citrate. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think. I, remember. Oh, I hope I'm not misquoting myself. If I am, I'm sorry. But um, it's uh, but it's the same idea. So Epsom salts. Are, are have magnesium in them, and that's why they help your muscles relax with sports and things like that. Um, I looked it up. You're right. Magnesium citrate. You're good. Oh, good. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they can, like, if soak uh, soaking in, much like soaking like your legs or something in magnesium salt baths helps with muscles. It also your body kind of absorbs magnesium and can help with going to the bathroom. I had a patient that would see a naturopath. I used to live in Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, she said that was like the ticket for her is taking an Epsom salt bath. So, oh, wow. Yeah. That's uh, good. Yeah. And plus then you get a little, little cozy time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then lastly, I don't know if you've heard of the squatty potty. I have. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had a coworker that swore by it and she had one in every room in her, well, every room, every toilet in her house. My, um, so my parents bought a squatty potty and mm. it, um, so I have like, our family is close, but not close. And then I have a military brother. So we do a lot of like chatting uh, video chat and like just uh, Google Hangouts is what we used to use. And so, um, we, when I can never forget the day that she bought this thing and she bought it and we're all in the video, like looking at our phones, just like, what the heck is that? We don't have a toddler. Like there, there are no little kids. All of us are grown. So we didn't know what it was. And then she did this whole video where she like called us on video chat. And she's like, look at this squatty body. I was like, what is that? Is that for a kid? Like, is you adopting? Are you guys fostering? Like what's going on? And, um, and she's like, no, this helps you poop. And I'm like, okay, this is not what I'm not staying on this phone to hear about this. <laughs> and she's like, no, there's a lot of research that shows. And then I was like, yep, time for me to go. My brothers are like, we don't want to hear this. <laughs> so awesome. when we went home to visit, like I drove down and when I drove down, I was like, why is this in this bathroom? And I went to their bathroom and there's another one. And then like the <laughs> only bathrooms that didn't have them were the upstairs ones because they didn't have you know, no kids at home anymore. So they were like, no, we just have them in the bathrooms we use. And she's like, just give it a shot. And I'm like, I'm not using it. Like, I'm not. And um, one night, I don't know what it was. I think she left it there. And I was like sleepy. And I used it. I was like, wow, I really like this squatty potty. <laughs> so it's not that bad. I didn't buy one. Like, I was like, I didn't have an issue. So it wasn't really my thing. But okay. I, I can see how segueing from constipation being an issue after surgery, how a squatty potty would definitely be helpful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just changes <laughs> the position of yeah. your body. Yeah. That's great. I might buy my friend one for, yeah. for her birthday. Birthday. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awesome birthday gift. 
Yeah, I she's gonna find it funny, and I think it'll be helpful because she's had bariatric, so I know she'll appreciate it. <laughs> yes, yes, more different different conversations happen after bariatric surgery. With yeah, <laughs> the, the conversations go from getting our nails and feet done to uh, what vitamin supplements you're using, and, and what's your favorite squatty potty. Yeah, what's your favorite squatty potty? <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. I think that's hilarious, and I feel like it's. A lot of people who probably are like, wow, I'm going to go look this up right now. <laughs> I don't want to anybody, but I've heard they're good. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So. But, and then one other thing that I forgot to say is um, taking pro probiotics. Uh, mm -hmm. So whether it's like good yogurt that has probiotics in it, but in terms of really helping with constipation, having like, um, gosh, what's I want to say? Like, uh, for, that's what I want to use a therapeutic dose. That's what I wanted to say mm -hmm. of probiotics. And there's lots and lots of different brands, um, but it can be really confusing uh, to know which ones to take, but they can really, the, our gut bacteria, there's so much that research going on and a lot, there's research going on showing that after bariatric surgery, things shift in terms of our, the bacteria in your gut. Uh, but probiotics can make a big difference where that healthy bacteria is helping things move along and digest differently. And that can also help. But that's a little tricky because you already have to take vitamins. You already have to think of all these things and adding another vitamin to the, it's not a vitamin, but adding another pill to the day is often like, I don't want any more pills. So Yeah. You know what's funny? Because, uh, you know, you can get people use like Activia or a type of yogurt that has probiotics yeah. in it. And um, I've known about probiotics for quite a bit of time because anytime I'm on an antibiotic, mm. um, it kills all the good bacteria yeah. <laughs> as well as the bad bacteria. And I have to take something else. And if you're a woman, you probably know what I'm talking about. And mm. then um, <clears throat> at one point I found out I was allergic to amoxicillin. And, huh. I found out, and I didn't, I was, I think it happens to people who've taken amoxicillin their whole life. So I was one of those kids who had like the bubblegum amoxicillin in the refrigerator. Mm. And so every time something happened or you got an infection or you got exposed to something, it was like, give up a bubblegum amoxicillin. So as I got right. older, I started to reject it. <laughs> and yeah. um, I was having a hard time this time when I took it. And I was like, I had to tell, tell my doctor, I was like, I don't think I can take this anymore. And the, a nurse who I worked with, who was, she was like, just take you some probiotics and get you some good bacteria back in your stomach. Because mm -hmm. that good bacteria helps you break down your food better. It helps everything process better. And you now just killed it all with the antibiotic. And I didn't know that. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know we had bacteria in our stomach. Like tells you how much I listen to biology or whatever human anatomy and <laughs> so so it's probiotics are really really good i try mm -hmm. to eat um my my probiotics so i do like a yogurt um with live cultures i try to yeah. eat it versus nice. like in the pill form i prefer to just grab a yogurt and go it's just yeah. easier yeah yeah any oh, yeah. fermented food will do that and and i to your point, I don't think that good bacteria isn't something that people talked about until, I mean, people, people did that were using it, but it wasn't in mainstream until uh, last five, 10, 15 years, really. So it's, I mean, we, like I, I was on uh, antibiotics for acne, like my whole adolescent years. And you look oh, wow. back and you're like, that probably is not, not the best for your gut over time mm -hmm. but um yeah i think it's it's people are more aware of okay we need good bacteria too uh, a lot more now than they were when we were kids yeah i feel like um i feel like the more i've grown up the more information is readily available yeah um for people to utilize and so it's just like just to say this like finding you online you know what I mean right. I was looking at things I was reviewing I was actually researching for myself just uh, other options for taking vitamins because obviously taking 15 pills a day was just not I mean I, I literally have one of those what we used to call older lady pill boxes where sure. it says morning and night and I was like oh my gosh is this my life because right. I had 
so many pills. And I just wanted to um, kind of minimize that. And that's how I found Laura. I, I was looking at other options and she works with a vitamin supplement company in Sweden and they're not here yet. So we're waiting patiently, but yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to find a, a better way to do things. And I think that's also a reason why people look towards their care team with bariatrics. Your care team is so important. Your dietitian is so important because you are literally trying to, you're changing your whole life. And if you don't have the proper people in place, you're going to be lost. And I see so many women who like just drop their dietitian off the side of, you know, the road because, hey, I got my approval. I'm going on about my day. And then they're asking questions in these support groups. We're not dietitians. We can't tell you what's going to work for you. And a lot of a lot of us will say, hey, what about your dietitian? Do you not have a care team? And oh, I didn't want to pay for it. But you went Mm -hmm. through this whole process. You have to continue as maintenance. You don't buy a car and never take it to get an oil change. Right. Right. You know, and so it's the same thing with your body. You get your check-ins and you get your checkups and you, you have to like make sure you're doing what you need to do. It's a tool. It needs to be, you know, serviced. <laughs> it needs to be taken care of. And right. so it's just so important that people know that people like you are out here to help. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, e- if you've, so many people have been on various diets over time. It's like, there's this and there's this, but bariatric surgery is such a different ball game of, oh, why am I, why do I, does it hurt every time I eat? Why can't I eat this? What's going on? And it's, you can ask other people that have had surgery and that's a great resource, but they're not generally going to be able to help you like whittle down, like, okay, get this out. You can have this and not this, and this is why it's hurting so much. And, you know, so it's, mm-hmm. They'll help you, especially if they have a you know a good amount of experience. Uh, help you find what's going to work best for you after surgery, and help you stay healthy. Um, but speaking of vitamins, uh, mm-hmm. that's also something that is really important after surgery. I think it's something like, gosh, I wish I had the number in my head, but it's by three months after surgery, only like half of people are taking their vitamins by six months. Wow. Maybe only 30% are taking what they're supposed to be taking. It's really low numbers. And it's also true with medications. Uh, For example, people that are on medications for diabetes don't take them regularly, even if they have them, because it's, we don't think about it. It's easy to forget. Um, I I admit I have done that. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's not a, it's very mm-hmm. easy to forget. And the, I had someone write me the other day on, on my work Instagram that said, oh, I just got my labs done after four years and I'm low in this, 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 and this. And I'm like, yep, <laughs> probably because mm-hmm. it's, we don't absorb stuff as well. The, especially with the bypass, you're bypassing that part of the intestine, but even with the sleeve, the acidity levels are lower in your stomach. You don't have the right enzymes and proteins to absorb certain, to break down and absorb certain vitamins and minerals. So even if you're eating really well, you still need to take vitamins and minerals. Yeah. Um, and so a big thing with that is finding one you, some that you like and that you'll take. Because if, like you said, if you're taking five or six different supplements, that's something's going to go at some point. Yeah, uh, it just—it's just a lot. It is because you're like, um, like my mom sent me Metamucil because she was like, "You need to get fiber," and I was like, "Mom, I'm not 80. I don't want to take <laughs> Metamucil." Oh. And it was so funny because my son was having issues with constipation, so I gave him Metamucil. He was like, "That was the worst thing I've ever had," oh. and. Of course, he's 13. So I was like, take this Metamucil. And he's like, can I put a crystal light packet with it? Because this is disgusting. So yeah. he took it. And then the next like week, he was like, what did you give me? I said, you're not having enough fiber. You know, like, just right. <laughs> it, we need a TV show. But it's just so like I have so many things and so many options, you know. And I found out that there are li- liquid vitamins, but they don't have the things that I need in them. So I think that's my struggle. We want to minimize what we're taking. So it's something we can remember. 
I know my friend struggled with taking her vitamins and she like, I remember her coming over here and like working remote with me. And I was just like, did you take your vitamins? Cause you seem real cranky. Like, right. and she, Oh no, I forgot they're in the car. And I was like, please right. go take them. Like you really need them to, you need them now. Like you need them yeah. before surgery. And so it's really important because you know what I noticed when I started taking my vitamins, my nails weren't chipping anymore. Mm. Yeah. Um, my nails weren't chipping. I wasn't having any issues with, um, I have, polycystic so male pattern baldness is a big thing my hair started growing really thick again and full and almost to an annoying speed like um I I started to become more emotional and with polycystic you have more testosterone and estrogen and I usually yeah I I usually am like kind of like a not a mean person but I have like that face and I'm just like all over the place you would think I was pregnant Oh, wow. Because I just, like, my husband says, if a rock fell and broke, I would cry for the rock. Like, that's how sensitive oh. I've been. And I was like, I didn't deal with this, like, emotional roller coaster. It's like puberty for me. And, I mean, it's really good because the dietitian I have, she uh, recommended some stuff for polycystic. And so I've been taking those as well. And I'm noticing a difference, like, um, with my hair growth and stuff like that. So your vitamins, like what you choose to put into your body is important. And it's just right. sad because, you know, life gets in the way and we forget, but it's so, so very important. It right. is. Mm-hmm. Right. And after surgery, it's, you need different vitamins than you would just with a regular, like over the counter. Cause you need ex- lots of extra B12, extra vitamin D, extra iron calcium, those are the big ones. Folic acid is you need a bit more than normal. Mm-hmm. Vi- vitamin B1, which is also called thiamine. And so all of these things, when people say, oh, I just take something at the store, it's like, but then you're missing all these other ones that you can become deficient in. And so following your dietitian's instructions and taking the vitamins that you need to, vitamins and minerals is really important. And one I like to really emphasize is calcium because when you test for calcium levels in the blood and when they do different blood tests to make sure you have what you need after surgery, they can test to see to some degree where the calcium is coming from, if it's coming from outside of the body or if it's coming from your bones. Mm -hmm. Not everyone looks at those numbers. They're not always super telling. Your vitamin D levels can affect it. And the first sign that your body is leaching calcium from your bones to sustain itself is like breaking a hip or osteoporosis. And so it's going to take 10, 15 years of not taking calcium before you would see if there was something missing, basically. Yeah. Um, So I always like to emphasize calcium just because it's easy to forget because you don't feel it. Yeah. And it's so when they test your levels and what I found out from just doing my research is I can't take my calcium with my iron because they right. do a little bit of cancellation there. So I didn't know that. And so, you know, when you're paying attention, you're doing research and like, okay, this is what I need to do. I mm-hmm. actually take my, the, my, I have a prenatal because I found out that just has more things in it that are good mm-hmm. for me. I take my right. prenatal first thing in the morning, but I take my calcium in the afternoon. So I allow that like two to four hours to process before I take a calcium pill. They're about the same time. And you know, it's, it's crazy because um, since I have a lot more melanin, I'm I'm brown skin. um, It's harder for us to absorb vitamin D from the sun. Right. And uh, so I've been on vitamin D pills for years. Oh, Um, So because my doctor's like, hey, you know, you're African-American. You need to take your vitamin D. And right. I was like, what does that happen? What does the color of my skin have to do with my vitamins? And I didn't know anything about it, but I learned it younger when I was younger. And right. then she was like, because you're not absorbing the vitamin D from the sun. I said, I'm not even trying to be in the sun. She said, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I said, do you know that I get three shades darker when I'm outside for just like 30, 45 minutes? So. It's just funny because you don't realize how those things affect you. So I'm getting all these vials drawn and I found out and my husband thought it was hilarious because I'd never want him to put a bunch of salt in my food, but mm. I found out I needed to add more salt. My salt oh, was low. Oh, wow. That's I was so like, weird. how the heck is my salt low? <laughs> and I have high cholesterol. <laughs> like I was just like, 
Because, you know, in your mind, you start working things out. Like, I don't eat the crazy stuff, but my yeah. salt is low and my cholesterol is high. And my husband's like, maybe it's the eggs because you kind of love them. <laughs> You're probably addicted to eggs. And I was just like, oh, I have to give them up. And he was like, no, just have to eat better, like make better choices. So I take in my cholesterol medicine. But now I have to put a little bit more salt in my diet, which is unique. I've never heard of anyone being low on salt. And right. he's like. And because especially me, I'm just like, oh no, that's salty. I won't eat it. Oh no, that's salty. I won't eat it. That's my thing. Right. And my kids are like, it doesn't have flavor. And I was right. like, I grew, I grew up with putting salty foods in. So if I wanted like salt, I would add sausage. If I, you know, like in my mind, I don't okay. add salt. I add a food that is salty. So if I have grits, I'll add cheese. You know, and like that's how I get my salt. Sure. flavor but for them they want the cheese and the salt <laughs> right so i i don't eat that way so i was like this is uh, that's not something that's gonna be fixed i'm just not gonna start eating a bunch of salt because it's right <laughs> right but that's so for I'm like electrolyte. oh sorry i didn't mean to yeah, go ahead. electrolyte waters and things like that can help mm -hmm. especially after surgery because that's that's when i run into people in particular even after they've come off their blood pressure meds and things like that, you're not eating very much. And so the amount of salt, even if you like salt, is still a lot lower. And so I've had to like tell patients, you need to add salt to your food. That's why your blood pressure is so low. Um, Cause that's the only thing you can really do to help with low blood pressure. That's probably not mm -hmm. the only thing, but one of the easiest things. Uh, but the, yeah, you'll have to watch out for that after surgery, I'm sure is making sure you're not like having below below normal blood pressure. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think I think that um this has opened my eyes to just a lot more things that, <laughs> that you should be cognizant of even if you're not in bariatrics. That's why I keep saying that cuz some right. people who listen they just listen for the wellness tips and the weight loss tips and stuff like that. Even if you're not going through the bariatric process, it is still important to take your vitamins. It's still important to stay hydrated. It's still important for you to get a fair amount of protein in. It's still important for you to add fiber to your diet if you're having issues with constipation, whether it be from bariatric or or medicine that you're on. Because um, sure. I have people who listen just because they have the same ailments that I have. So all of these things, they go across the border. It's not just bariatric specific, but just human being specific. Right. So I think it's important. Oh yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's just really pronounced after, yeah. after, after surgery. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's just a little bit more. And I know you wanted to touch on, and I'm afraid of this uh, subject. So I know you wanted to touch on intolerance. I'm actually yeah. afraid to like not want my favorite foods again. Right, and that is, I think, one of my biggest fears. So yeah, yeah, and it is for a lot of people. And I would say. Just anecdotally, people with the bypass tend to have more issues with it than with the sleeve. Um, even with dumping, it's much more of a thing with the bypass than the sleeve, although it can still happen with the sleeve. Uh, but a lot of it is, it does boil down to the fact that there isn't much hydrochloric acid in your stomach. It's not, there's not as much stuff to help break the food down. And there's not as much space to it for it to mechanically churn it up. Uh, and so one of the first things, and it's probably just sounds so easy, maybe is chewing is making sure that you're chewing enough because imagine your tiny little stomach, your tiny little sleeve trying to m mash up, I don't know, a piece of steak. And it's like, I don't mm -hmm. know, I can't do this. So yeah. chewing is huge, especially in the beginning. And yeah, I I like, um, so I'm Bahamian, so like my grandfather was from the Bahamas, and um, we grew up eating a lot of like conch salad, fish and grits, mm. certain things, and like it's a very highly acidic, because we put lime on everything, like there's nothing I'm going to put lime on or lemon nice. on, and um, we also like to eat raw conch, so the conch salad, you know, well, it's like the VJ, so, but that's what I eat, and that is like my nostalgia for home, mm. and especially because I'm not I'm not I'm near the water but it's different than when right. I was in Miami you get more things like fresh and so I just I was like oh my gosh what if I can't eat certain things like cultural things that I really really like sure. so I started to like go out and like look into them and see what they and I found out and I did an episode about it like 
uh, don't discount your differences because me being Bahamian, I, I'm still able to eat Bahamian mm-hmm. food. I might not go for the fried fish or the like fried foods anymore, but right. the conch salad in itself, it's like you have a shellfish, you have fresh fruits and ve- like vegetables, like that's what you're putting in these conch salads. And so right. I was like, oh, I might be able to still eat this without the guilt. Right. You know, right. that, oh my goodness, this is not necessarily good for me. So I, it was really cool to know that. And so I'm like, food intolerance, my friend likes spicy food and she couldn't have spicy food for six months. Oh, wow. And yeah. She's Puerto Rican. So like, she's like, put some, you know, like put, I need spice on this. I need like, <laughs> and right. she tried and she tried and she failed and she tried and she failed. <laughs> and then she kind of gave up. Mm. On it, and then like probably like six months in between the sixth and the seventh month, we went somewhere, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, you have to try this." She's like, "Girl, if it's spicy, I can't have it." I didn't. I have given up on spice, and I was like, "Well," I said, "Okay, well, I'm not gonna force you because I don't, you know, I don't know your stomach." And so she was like, "Well, I want to try it anyway." So now she, you know, she tried it. She was like, "I didn't." She called me the next day. She's like, "My stomach wasn't acting up or anything." So she went eating all the spicy food she missed, and she was so happy to kind of get it back. So there is that, you know. And she has the sleeve, so it's different. Like you said, bypass people have more often, but with the sleeve, you know, and sometimes it just takes longer, and sometimes you never get it back. Right. Right. And. Especially with like the conch salad, people the um, seafood tends to be pretty good. Like a lot okay. of people do fine with seafood, um, especially when you add, as you said, the lime, the lemon. That acidity helps break it down. It's almost like it's it. Blah. You know, in Jello on the pack on packages of Jello, it says don't add kiwi, don't add pineapple, lemon, lime. It's because it breaks down the proteins and doesn't let them coagulate. And they, that's what, when you add the lemon lime to the conch salad, it helps to sort of break down things a little bit. And so that actually helps with digestion. Di- the digestion. Uh, so I don't think you'd have a problem with that, actually. Yep. No, that's great. That sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. So adding that's some sort of, yeah, adding sauces, adding acidity, adding, um, for it's weird. Some people's spice is just, off off the table or as you said maybe it's six Mm. months down the road for some people because your your tastes can change after surgery some Mm. people find that spice like they need it so things taste good because otherwise it tastes sort of off um but i would say if you're having issues with keeping things down or keeping things like things just sit really hard in your stomach uh making them sort of saucy or soupy can make a big difference, especially in the first three to six months after surgery. Uh, some people, when they go off of, depending on how your clinic has you progress your diet, but when they go off of soft foods and they try regular, it just doesn't work. And it's like you, your stomach maybe just needs a little bit more time. Like keep it kind of soft, keep it kind of soupy, keep it saucy to help things slide mm-hmm. on down, you could say. Wow. And, it's, and it's the same with... Um, as I was talking about with the lemon and lime, using marinades, using tenderizers, using something that helps break the meats down. Because usually meats that cause issues, unfortunately, since your diet is mainly focused on protein, but those things can really help to make the meat a lot easier to sit in your stomach. Okay. And same with, I know I keep saying same with, but there's just so many little things you can do. So having dark meat chicken instead of white meat tends to work a little better because it's a little, has a little more fat. It's not so dry. Yep. Yep. And I don't know if you've ever used digestive enzymes or have heard of a digestive enzymes. I've heard of them, but I've never, I didn't know you could take them. Yeah. So there's a lot of different products out there. Uh, Trader Joe's sells some that are just very basic papaya and pineapple enzymes. Uh, oh, okay. And then you can have all the way up to products that have every sort of pancreatic enzyme you can imagine from that helps break down proteins, fats, car, um, carbohydrates, everything. And so there's a big range of digestive enzymes. But for a lot of people, especially if they have troubles with meats or fats, these 
can help your stomach break down the foods because things shift after surgery and those enzymes might not be as effective or working as well or just the lower acidity levels in your stomach might be, work better with a digestive enzyme. Okay. And that's good so, to know. I, I didn't know that. So I learned something new for sure. I learned a lot of things actually. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, it's not something a lot of people talk about. I, the first mm-hmm. job I had um, with bariatric surgery, I spoke with my patients. I had like a hundred patients at a time and I spoke with them on average every other week for the first year after surgery. And so when you're working with someone every other week and it's just not working for them, it's like, okay, let's try this then. And you find those little things that you wouldn't necessarily try in regular conversations with people. But when you're like, I got to help them fix this. You're like, let's try digestive enzymes. And then they work and it's great. Yeah, no, I, I think that'll be awesome to add to the list if like of hey if I'm going through this I can try this as well like the knowledge that you've kind of given everybody today is it's a lot I think we uh, we're definitely going to have another episode where we have to talk <laughs> because I, I feel like it and they were digestible and realistic and it was just no I really appreciate you and I know the listeners appreciate you coming on and kind of going over these things because they transcend the boundaries of what you're trying to lose weight or how you're trying to lose weight, but like just your overall health and well-being, And so that's so important. And I really do appreciate you coming on my podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's been a I lot of fun. I cannot say thank you enough. I think we're definitely going to do an episode on dumping because yeah. I feel like that's important. And yeah, exactly. um, that, that'll be great for us to do. Like just have a follow-up. Um, what I will do today um is i'm going to add a question a poll to Mm -hmm. this podcast so that people can add questions they might want us to ask you next time so they'll be able to like add their own questions add their comments and uh so when you go on spotify or anchor platforms you'll be able to say hey i really enjoyed this or hey we didn't discuss this can you guys discuss this next time so that way me and laura can have more for you guys. So I really appreciate you guys listening today. I thank Laura for being here with us. Do you have any sign off words you want to leave for the people? I just know that there's always someone that can help you. It can feel really lonely at times after surgery if you're struggling with certain things, but you can always reach out, whether it's your healthcare providers, other people that have had surgery, but know that you don't have, to. there's a solution <laughs> that. Yeah when you're having these struggles you're not alone and you'll get through them awesome thank you and you know this is talk lucidly 33 where we talk about wellness weight loss and all that stay tuned thanks for listening guys thanks for rocking with us today on talk lucidly 33 we appreciate your time and the effort that you put into listening don't forget to share this podcast with your friends who might need to hear it don't forget to send us a message if you're interested in being a guest on our podcast can't wait to hear from you and can't wait to show my journey some more with you guys next week thanks for tuning in stay tuned because we'll be back